Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening. This is Story Life, our podcast. I am Alan C. Gardner. I am here with... Clinton Cornwell. <laughs> we are filmmakers. Go. There you go. We're both filmmakers. Uh, we're, both, we're both folks with feelings. And uh, we're friends, and uh, <laughs> okay. we are. Yeah, I'm excited to have to join forces with you on on this journey, this podcast journey, this audio journey. We're excited to uh, to be sharing at long last this this first episode, which we recorded two years and, and four months ago, just before yeah. the pandemic broke. This is going to be a filmmaking podcast. Me and Alan are both filmmakers, and uh, we're mostly just going to be giving really honest insights into sort of our journeys as independent filmmakers talking about various topics and talking about the emotional ups and downs chronicling our, our journeys as filmmakers and hopefully giving insights to other artists and creatives out there and especially the emotional side of things i'm a filmmaker with a master's in film production i've directed two feature films and like 15 short films and my first film 12 months is out on the festival circuit right now I make all kinds of stuff. I'm really making a lot of horror movies right now, but I also make like emotional kind of drama comedies. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, uh, my big goal is to try and make films that are very real and authentic feeling to human experiences and hopefully make people who watch them feel a little bit less alone in the world. Wow. I mean, I could pretty much say all that verbatim, but now I can't because then I'll just look like a, a jackass who's just copying what you just <laughs> said, but I'm with you. Yeah, I, I'm also a filmmaker, a, a writer, director, producer, editor, and actor. Yeah, and I, I just want to tell stories that I feel, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple, like as far as my, my mission, like I want to connect with people. That's my overall thing as a person is connecting with people and uh, through obviously my, my day-to-day life and then through my work. And like you said too, and I, I very much agree with that. I, I wanna do think, you know, create work that makes people in some capacity feel a little more understood, a little less alone, because that's what my favorite films have done for me over the years has made me feel a little bit more a part of the this world, uh, part of the human experience. I'm like, oh, I do belong here because that's something I struggled with a lot as a kid. So anything that I can do to make people feel, other people feel the same, I'm all in and I'm all for it. This is present Alan and Clinton. We're gonna take you back to a little more than two years ago, Alan and Clinton, and then present Alan and Clinton will be, will be back to sort of uh, talk a little bit, contextualize a little bit what you just heard. I like to think and, of it as uh, future Alan and Clinton because um, those will be the ones really, the ones of us, you know, a few minutes from now. Um, we'll we can't get into the rules of time travel on this show. We don't have, oh. we don't have the t- kind, of, kind of time to cover that. <laughs> All right, sounds good. Roll it. Hey, guys. Alan. And uh, Clinton. Here to discuss who the hell we are. What are we? Yeah, today, this is kind of our origin story that we're going to be talking about because we've spent a decent amount of time in the same room together at this point but i don't know i don't feel like that we know each other very intimately that's true i like that description of our relationship up to this point i mean we've spent a decent amount of time in the same room together uh but yeah that's kind of what's fun about this like we definitely have established there's an affinity for one another there's a there's a connection here like we're we're friends mutual interest yeah but we haven't really gotten to know each other too well yet so that's kind of part of what the fun is here yeah so we're actually going to get to know each other on the air or, well, you know, on this podcast, however it's captured and, and streamed. This is for whoever might be listening, too. Yeah. Uh, to get to know us as well, because I think, you know, this podcast will definitely be a story of us. And so yeah, having this sort of source yeah. material for people to go back to and sort of... The roots. Maybe, yeah, maybe understand 
why we are the way we are. Why we're so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> why are we the way we why are? Why are we let's, this way? Let's get into it then. When was that? Two weeks ago did we meet? When we yeah, not even nine days. Nine days. It's good, man. You know, I've just I've got so many new things that I'm kind of trying out here. It's interesting trying to juggle all of that stuff and trying to figure out how to spend my time. But I, I, I'm in a mood, I guess, right now where I'm just like, go, go, go. And yeah. so... I got this. We're starting our, yep. our little podcast here and uh, maybe starting another one in like 10 days. And I'll you might be starting another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> this is this means nothing to you. I'm just a diamond does. Wow. OK. A very, uh, very, very different podcast cool. um, that might lead into a YouTube channel. Cool. I, I'm shooting a third day on my short The, the Haunted uh, next weekend. Moving into post sound, which thank you for the recommendation on twelve months, my Sweet. feature. Hopefully that works out. Uh, so just balancing a lot of things, and I feel like every time that I have a lot going on, I come up with a new idea that I'm very excited about yep. and, and want to pursue immediately. Yep, I get that. Yeah, that's kind of what's been going. It's just kind of all consuming, you know. Like every night of the week, I have a thing, and not that I'm like so busy or like. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's a big difference between being busy and being positively, uh, positively uh, productive with sure. your time. You know, those yeah, two yeah. things aren't necessarily associated and stuff. And so I'm very busy right now, but I don't know that I'm productive yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, so yeah, that's what's going on with me. Okay, cool. What about you? Well, first, I have a confession. Uh, I realize it's actually been 10 days okay. since our meeting. I, I had to uh, correct myself there. I am doing well, and I definitely know exactly what you're talking about. I'm all about time management and making sure that I'm uh, spending my time in the most positive, productive way. It's essential. Possible. It's totally essential. Especially as a family man. Yeah, like. yeah. So I was about to say, I, I, I can very much so remember uh, just even like a couple of years ago when I wasn't a family man, because my wife and I started dating uh, two and a half years ago. Since then, you know, things have changed uh, rapidly and for the better. Uh, we had our first kid, uh, our son Lyle, on uh, December of 2018. So he's about almost 14 months now. We actually have a little announcement, a uh, second baby on the way. Whoa. In July. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. First plot twist. Thanks, man. Yeah. So I feel like this should be a mid season thing. <laughs> <laughs> that announcement? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I know. Came out coming in hot with that little uh, little bit of information. Shit, man. That's like a whole episode. We got to go deep on that. <laughs> we will. Oh, we'll, we'll be discussing that a lot more. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's the most kind so of many like, questions intense, magical, th- like, you know, waiting for, yeah. uh, a, a, you know, your child like to come into the world and the, the preparations for that. And it'll be really cool and interesting, like, you know, this time, because with Lyle, our son Lyle, that was, you know, our first kid. Yeah. So we didn't know what to expect on a lot of levels. I mean, you know, you you read and you prepare as much as possible. But, but you can never be prepared. <laughs> no, no, no. Did you find out la- in this last week or had you known? I'd known. We okay. just started telling people, though. Okay. Uh, How long ago did you find out? I've known for uh, just over two months now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she'll be 16 weeks along uh, tomorrow. Wow. We're incredibly excited. We were hoping. Uh, <laughs> I remember I was making some plans with uh, with my family uh, a few months ago. And I was like, well, something to keep in mind. I was like, I was hoping that Chelsea, my wife, would be pregnant at some point this year uh and that 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 came to be uh it's a uh, a honeymoon baby as a matter of fact so honeymoon oh <laughs> <laughs> so there oh, you see. go there you go yeah uh but no i mean i mean my family is everything my wife and son and we don't know if it's a boy or a girl yet coming up next um but they're they're everything so now i operate from a place of you know what's what's going to be best for them of course and like with everything i do i try to think of 
is this something that will lead to, you know, I, I want to set the best example for my children I can possibly set. So yeah. everything gets filtered through that. Yeah. And I really feel like um, creating and doing what we do is such a positive thing. Um, it's something that I absolutely need to do. It's something I want my children to see me doing that they're, mm-hmm. you know, their father engaged in life and like putting himself out there and, uh, and working hard. Is it like a process? Like why, why are you just telling people now? I guess. Oh, uh, well, usually it's kind of like standard. Most people wait until after the first trimester. So we got, we went from our first date was September 13th, 2017. And then I proposed April 17th, 2018. Wow. So just seven months later. And then we found out uh, she was pregnant three days after I proposed. Wow. And I'm like, let's do this. Let's get into it. <laughs> so yeah, then we got married just three months ago, three and a half months ago. Typically, if a miscarriage is going to happen, it happens within the first wow. trimester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why most people wait until... Um, you know, you're kind of out of the woods there or, you know, you're past the first trimester because then the risks of something like that happening are, um, lessened okay. a lot. So learn something new every day. Yeah. 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 So it's just like, you know, a, a precautionary thing because it is kind of it is scary, man. I mean, the scariest for me, like the scariest thing in the world is, you know, something happening to, you know, our children, like, you know, born or, or unborn. Like I would be absolutely devastated. Yeah. If some, you know, if, if. I can't even talk about that. So I'm thrilled that, you know, we're now, cause every passing day you feel more and more uh, like, okay, like the baby's still, you know, the baby's healthy, the more positive updates you get, like the more um, that stress and that fear is like alleviated mm-hmm. because I mean, yeah, like we, you know, it's, you're driving to like, yeah, that baby's, you know, happiness and health. And I'm anyway, sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent right now, but it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty relevant. the biggest thing in the, you know, to me, Alright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited. I'll well, yeah, and, we're excited. I mean, but that's that's kind of what they should like you can't separate that stuff, right? Like Oh no, man. No, it's all part of who you are and that's what you're everything. Doing as an artist and everything like that. That's so, everything to me. I'm a storyteller by nature. Like I've been doing it um as long as I can remember, really. Uh whether it's through, you know, writing little stories and uh, little scripts, little plays as a kid, and then through drawing, I used to draw a lot, like telling stories that way too. So, and put on little performances and whatnot, but that's what I do. So mm-hmm. that's it. You know, it's, you can't, you can't separate that like from the rest of me. It, it, it informs who I am in uh, every way, shape and form. So, and then, then now, but being a, a family man, being mm-hmm. a father and a husband is what, I mean, that's what truly defines uh, who I am. And then all my, it, it's all tied in together. So yeah, you can't separate it. Uh, this actually, this all transitions nicely to our topic of the day, which is getting to know each other yeah. more personally. So you mentioned in there that you did little plays and stuff when you were younger. Oh, yeah. uh-huh. Uh, can you talk, tell me, tell me about that. Was that your Genesis as an artist? <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, so I remember when I was like three and being enamored with Ghostbusters, uh, Ghostbusters is awesome. Oh man, I mean that'll always be one of my all-time favorites. I was always very sensitive as a kid. I was always, I remember getting really heartbroken if I felt like I wasn't able to connect with other kids or other people the way that I really wanted to and needed mm-hmm. to. Like if I saw like a kid upset, I wanted to make them feel better. And if I felt like I wasn't able to do that, then it would really be kind of devastating for me. Yeah. And so I would get really, de- <laughs> really depressed as a little kid when I felt like I wasn't able to form those connections that I just just innately needed to forge that's interesting why do you think what do you think is there a start point to that or why do you think that was the thing within you at a young age you know it's hard to say i mean it's one of those i I get like some of my very earliest memories were being like um 
just very, very sensitive. And I was like, kind of like easily wounded by certain people's like words and behaviors or whatnot. If I felt like I wasn't good enough or I didn't have something to offer to mm-hmm. a situation, I always just fe- felt a need to like contribute positivity or love or whatnot to any yeah. kind of situation I was in. And it's just like it, you know, it's, it's just an innate part of who I am that always like dovetailed with the, the performance part of me too. Like I would just I would want to like to dance and sing and put on like a little show for like my family and whatnot to, to entertain them, to yeah. uh, express myself or to, you know, to, I would do like, you know, a lot of mimicry of, uh, of Ghostbusters or whatnot, like things to try, like Saturday Night Live. When I started watching that as a kid, I'd do all the Saturday Night Live impressions. It would bug my sister, my sister, uh, Jean Allen. Awesome. And, but she, you know, she's four and a half years older than me. So like when I was like seven, she was, you know, 12. Yeah. And, uh, I just wanted to seem cool and funny to her friends who thought I was, you know, funny little, you know, sweet kid. But my sister's like, get out of here. And then I started writing a lot at a really young age. And I remember when I learned what a screenwriter was. And I was like, oh, well, that's one of the things that I'm going to do. I'm going to act and be a screenwriter. I was 10 when I learned the word screenwriter. Wow. And I actually learned it from the movie Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, like reading <laughs> the credits. I was like, oh, screenplay by. And then I started looking into that. One of the big differences between me and you is that uh, you are an actor on top of being a director and filmmaker. Right. What came first for you? Or is there one side that's like more important to you than the other? You have to give up one. Which oh, one would God. it be? I've always hated that question. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but that's that's a question that I basically over the years have like steadfastly refused to <laughs> to answer. No, I mean because it's really like, and the, what I usually say in response to that is simply like, if if it's someone was a singer songwriter and you ask them to give up what like either like you know uh, or someone like played guitar and, and sang and, and wrote songs, and if you're like, okay, if you had to pick just one to do, they'll be like, well, they're all kind of like you know, interconnected. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to just like stop singing. Yeah. I'm also not going to like put down the guitar. You know what I mean? I'm not going to stop writing songs either. They're all kind of, so that's kind of the way I've always felt about it. Like I need, um, writing and acting. Uh, I remember reading a Billy Bob Thornton quote a long time ago where he said like acting satisfies the part of him that needs to get out there and play and writing satisfies the part of him that needs to like, you know, stay in his room and, and dream and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, work through things. So, yeah, I need both. And then directing and producing and then, you know, and editing as well became like a natural extension of of writing because it's all storytelling. I mean, it's all, you know, it all is connected. So, yeah. I don't need to do all of it. <laughs> yeah. So, what, tell me a little bit about like uh, your genesis as a, as a storyteller, as a filmmaker. You know, I was always a creative kid, I'd say, with, you know, I'd do drawing and and little bits of writing as a child and i didn't have the filmmaking bug early like you hear a lot of filmmakers have i didn't really even start thinking about it until i was about to graduate high school okay i'd always love movies movies were extremely important to me yeah i'd watch movies just endlessly as a kid i knew that i wanted to do something creative going into college but I didn't know what it was and i kind of took some time off after high school was doing community college classes and just sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do by not doing any of it, by the way, just like I was expecting it to come to me out of nowhere, Uh, which is insane looking back. You know, one day uh, I was pulling out of my apartment. I grew up in Hawaii uh, and and I had a little apartment downtown in Kona and uh, I was pulling out of my apartment. I was listening to a Deftones song called Digital Bath. As I was listening to this song, like all these pictures were playing in my head of this couple fighting, having this big argument to the song and the picture in my head warping and changing as their disagreement got worse and worse. And then after the song was over, I sort of like 
connected that to movie making in my head and just decided in that moment, oh, I'm going to go into filmmaking. And I've sort of been pursuing it ever since. I tried to go to the University of Hawaii. I went there for like a year, uh, but I couldn't get into their film program. It was just like really new at the time anyways. And then I ended up transferring to University of Nevada, Las Vegas, did my undergrad in film there. But I feel like I really wasted my time. I was a very shy, scared kid. I didn't really put myself out there as much as I should have. I didn't really work that hard. I was kind of lazy, but it was like a laziness, I feel like driven by fear, like a fear of failure, a fear of oh, yeah. looking stupid or coming off stupid. I got out of my undergrad, graduated, having only made one short film. And then I was like, oh, I don't even know if I want to continue filmmaking. Um, and then, you know, I was working at a restaurant at a time. I was playing poker part-time as a job too. I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do this full-time as a career. But I wasn't being creative at all, really. Uh, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. Then I just sort of saved up a bunch of money because uh, the one thing I did know I wanted to do was go travel in Europe. And so I saved up a bunch of money, sold all my stuff, booked a one-way ticket to London and just went. And I was couch surfing in Europe for four months, literally couch surfing, couchsurfing.org. Great organization if you haven't yeah. tried it. A little plug for couchsurfing.org. And I was just making it up as I went, just planning as I went along, meeting all these fantastic people. It really challenged me and forced me to get out of my shell a lot more. And the aspect of sort of planning it all as I went along and, and making it up. I didn't have like a cell phone or a laptop or anything like that. So I'd always have to be struggling to find internet uh, to make my plans. Uh, that whole experience uh, really taught me a lot about myself. And one thing I noticed myself doing during that time was thinking about, oh, this would be a great place to make a movie. This would be a great story to tell. These kinds of things. I kept getting ideas for all the stories that I wanted to tell. The last leg of my trip, I spent a month in Auckland, New Zealand with my sister who lives there. And I sort of recharged my batteries and decided, hey, I got I to gotta do this filmmaking thing. And so I stepped back down in Vegas, started uh, making short films. I did like three short films over the next like seven months. Ended up going to grad school at Florida State to give myself a second chance at a film education. I moved out here after that and I've been here trying to work and make movies ever since. Cool. Yeah. So you said early on you want to be creative, like coming out of high school, you knew you want to be creative in some capacity. Yeah. Were there ever other uh, avenues that you're exploring or thinking about other? I think writing was, was a thing, music, but like the thing was, I never was, <laughs> I wasn't doing any of them. Right, right, right. You know, so it's, it's just things you were thinking about, considering yeah, just, though. just thinking about, you know? Cool. It was a pretty arbitrary choice now that I look, look back on it. You know, what, if I had just had a different gut feeling at a different time, I would have ended up, ended up maybe in a completely different field. Eh, fair enough. But at the same time, you had the specific gut feeling that you did have. So you can't, you know, sure. deny that. Sure. And that's kind of cool to you knowing so clearly, like listening to the Deftones song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, digital bath yeah and just like knowing that kind of like remembering that kind of like uh, uh genesis yeah. moment for you i can still like see the pictures you. in my head of of that's that really moment cool. yeah yeah i was yeah it's another way that we differ where i i mean i literally can't remember a time where i didn't want to be uh an actor and a filmmaker i was just like consumed by it my whole life that's crazy but don't, <laughs> but don't you don't you like don't you doubt you doubt we're gonna oh, talk sure. a lot about this no, 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 all no. the time dude i mean of course i yeah. think like anyone anyone has has doubts and fears and no i i've definitely had my share and you know sometimes even like um 
I mean, by a wide margin, for the most part, I've always felt very fortunate for always knowing yeah. what I wanted to do. And I was always very driven to do it. Like I wrote my first official uh, properly formatted, well, somewhat properly formatted screenplay when I was 14. Yeah. And then just kind of kept going down that path. But yeah, I mean, it's driven me crazy at times. And there are certain times where like, you know, writing and filmmaking is something that very much makes me feel uh, free in those yeah. moments where you're connected. It's a source of like, you know, of liberation. You're putting yourself out there and it just feels right. Mm-hmm. But of course, like, since it's something that, again, that like I've always loved my whole life, it's like sometimes the same thing that can make you feel so free can also feel like a prison at times. Cause I'm like, well, sometimes I feel like in those darkest moments, like trapped in it. Yeah. Um, because I, I really can't, you know, recall a time when I didn't want to do that. So it's kind of, uh, it can be, it has been frustrating at times, but so, I mean, there's Which been, we'll, we'll touch on a lot yes. of this during the weekly sanity <laughs> check for sure. Uh, well, we're just talking about it now. <laughs> we're going to get it all out there now. So where were you born? I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I was born in Portland, Oregon. And then my, oh, okay. uh, my family, I lived in Idaho until I was 11, I think. And then my family moved to Hawaii, stayed there through high school, one year of college. What led you guys to Hawaii? Um, it was warm. Cool. So, that, <laughs> hey, man, that's good well, my parents. Thing. My parents were in, in the logging industry in Idaho, and uh, they were just tired of the cold and uh, the hard winters. And Hawaii's the opposite of that. We'd vacation there a couple times, and um, which how were you? So your family well off, middle class, poor? How, what did you What did you uh, think of yourself? My, well, my parents were teachers. Okay. So, and we all know, you know, teachers should be paid a little bit more so we were, i mean we were fine we we're always you know middle class lived yeah. in the suburbs my parents you know we were you know there's nothing never anything that we're you know um left needing yeah they always you know provided for us sure and we you know vacations every summer and this that and the other i remember in that neighborhood like because i'm from germantown tennessee which is a suburb right outside of memphis and it's kind of more of a affluent uh neighborhood mm-hmm. within that little stratosphere like at my high school like a lot of these other families you know, we're wealthier, but that, that didn't really bother me. It only like as a kid, and it's the most trivial stuff because back then that's when it mattered to me mm-hmm. what clothes I wore, stuff like that, just simply because I wanted to belong. I wanted to fit in and other kids were kind of dictating or, you know, the marketing people or whatever. Someone was dictating like what it was that I should be wearing in order to be accepted and like and loved and once again like i was like well i gotta you know connect with people so i'm gonna have to wear you know beg my parents to buy me these lucky brand jeans or this you know stussy shirt or 130 dollars you know charles barkley uh nikes stuff like that and so yeah when i was like 10 11 what have you i would i would beg for those things and every now and then they would even though a lot of those things were ridiculously overpriced or just not necessary for for us uh, they would be like, okay, 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 <laughs> like we'll get you that. Um, but again, like you know, it's kind of funny because I remember getting to a certain age where I'm like, oh, that doesn't actually matter, and I just started focusing, like, oh, let's you know think more about like just who you are as a person. It doesn't really matter what you wear because I'm like, I didn't personally care what I what I wore. I just wanted to to fit in. Uh, yeah, middle class. What about uh, your family? Uh, there there was dips, but I'd say for the most part, uh, I had an upper middle class upbringing. My dad. Yeah, it was always uh, very entrepreneurial. And uh, so he had dips when he was like in between businesses. You know, right. he sort of worked himself up as a logger in Idaho and then got to the point where he was kind of the boss and, and running his own logging show. 
And then when we moved to Hawaii, there was some hard times there, but he, uh, we ended up buying a coffee farm. And, and so my dad made a good living out of that as well. So I've been uh, definitely fortunate to feel secure in my financial upbringing. Uh, cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'll, I always felt very secure as well. Again, it was just one of those th- like certain little silly things that uh, I didn't actually care about, but that I felt like I needed back mm-hmm. then. Uh, maybe wish that we had more money to get those things or yeah. the, the months or years where we didn't have cable. But like in retrospect, like who cares? My parents are the, <laughs> my parents are the best. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> that security goes a long way. I think there's a certain there's a certain privilege as filmmakers to uh, being raised with that feeling of security. Is This is something I think about. I think it enables us to have the confidence to take risk a little bit more yeah. knowing that that no matter what, it's all going to work out because that's sort of what we were brought up with. Yeah, uh, and my parents, well, I'm going to ask you too. So, my parents have always been incredibly supportive of yeah. all of my endeavors. What mm-hmm. about I mean, for you? Yeah, yeah. I, not uh, not emotionally so much. They're not, that's never been my parents' uh, forte, but I've always felt if I ever needed anything or if I ever got into a big hole that that I could call upon them cool. and they, they'd be there to rescue me. Cool. And that's great. And do you remember like, was there a t- when you first like, when you were like, okay, I'm going to be a filmmaker. That's what I'm pursuing. And when, like when you told them that what their reaction was or no fair enough i don't just curious yeah no no anything that comes to mind is that is my dad you know he always thought i should be like a lawyer or something like that you know Mm -hmm. i got really i was uh, quote unquote a smart kid so i could have kind of the perception of me was that i could have done anything that i wanted and so you know my dad probably wanted me to do something that a little bit more financially secure and he definitely still asks to this day about where's the money coming from in terms right. of my filmmaking career. Why don't you sell one of your films or something? Right. And, uh, and so there's, there's that aspect, but, but outside of little comments like that, there's not really been much one way or the other for the most part, you know? Okay. So fair enough. What about you? Yeah. Well, my, I get like, you know, it's, this is a lifelong kind of, a. Uh, uh, love of mine, uh, storytelling, filmmaking, acting. They've so, just learned to deal with it already. Yeah, exactly. Like my dad was our de facto DP slash camera op when I was like, you know, when they first got a camcorder when I was seven. <laughs> and so I would have it. I'm like, all right, dad, point the camera this way. And then like, you know, magic would happen. <laughs> I would make uh, <laughs> yeah. Dick, Dick Tracy 2 or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, whatever sequel hadn't been made yet to before that had been made three, four. Uh, Terminator 3, things like that. I was making sequels to like a lot of my favorite movies at the time. Do you still have these? Oh, man. I, uh, I think I can track down some of that footage. Yeah. We need this. This needs to be seen. <laughs> I would love to, to rewatch a lot of that. I mean, those are pretty old VHS tapes at this point, but I could track down some of that. We're going to put it on our YouTube channel, <laughs> our shared YouTube channel. We're going to sh- we're gonna start, or maybe for Patreons. What's that? We'll, 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 we'll oh, give it to Patreons. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get Our your patrons. get your get your money's worth. Yeah, my uh, my old work. That's I for think sure. that stuff is beautiful, man. You should track that shit down and like back that up, man. I have no, I, I want to. I have certain clips. Like so, I made uh, before I made being awesome. I'd made like a a real like past uh, my past work like leading up to making that movie, mm-hmm. and so I did include like some little clips from like early film, like early stuff from when I was a little kid, the through high school. And being awesome is your first feature. So, all right. Being Awesome was actually the 11th feature that I had written, produced, and acted in, all of those things. For that movie, I also had co-directed and edited two. Being Awesome was my first feature that I solo directed, 
Uh, yeah, I did that one too, and then wrote, produced, and acted. But yeah, it was my 11th as a writer, producer. Wow. First as a solo director. What do you consider your first movie ever made, and when was that? Oh, man. Well, okay, well, technically our first movie, so me and my buddy Brad Ellis, who's still one of my filmmaking partners, one of my closest friends, we worked together on uh, kind of like every third movie at this point, like I kind of do yeah. with, with Brad. We did uh, we co-directed Cold Feet and Bad Bad Men most recently. Anyway, our first feature together was... Halloween 1998, which was a remake of Halloween. And we shot it in the year 1998. So there you go. Uh, and I played Dr. Loomis and Michael Myers. So I was chasing myself for the uh, duration of that film. Are you familiar with, with Halloween? Oh, yes. I'm okay. a big horror fan. So yeah, that's Brad. I've seen them all. That's Brad's Except for forte. Halloween ni- 1998. <laughs> yeah. And then two years later, Brad wanted to remake Halloween again. And I said, uh, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but no, we had a blast. That was... Uh, after we'd we'd tried to make a couple other features before uh, Halloween, that was the first one we successfully completed. Wow! Yeah. Wait. So, did you do short films before this? Do you? Do you Ske- have- we do mostly, mostly sketches. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And some things that you could call shorts, but it's primarily sketches. And then we wanted to dive right into to features. How old were you when you did that? Uh, I was. I just turned seventeen. Okay. So we did that, and then we did Day of Reckoning, which was like a high school project, and it was pretty close to feature length. We had an almost like feature length cut. It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a short film, mm-hmm. but the version we showed in class it was at least thirty something minutes, and then our final cut was like forty seven minutes. Okay. But we kind of consider that to be, even though it wasn't quite feature length, to be like our second film. And then Fallout. Then I moved to Los Angeles. Then went back. We did Hustled. Then Means to an End. Uh, Hustle 2, 2,000 Miles, Lost and Found, Act 1, and I'm leaving one out. Anyway, and then so that it was 10 before I did Being Awesome. Where are all these movies? <laughs> oh, man. there uh, Quite a few of them are at my apartment right now. They're not online anywhere? Well, there's a couple. There's a couple. <laughs> I could direct you towards them. Uh, we're not like... Um, you sound ashamed. No, 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 no. No, not that shit. I'm definitely proud of everything that we've we've done, and I, I see them all for what they are. Yeah, and like you know, movies that were made by by um, really passionate like teenagers or like early twenty somethings, what have you. And some of them I'm, I'm very proud of. Two thousand miles, which were made in two thousand and four. So I was twenty two. That was the first movie that I'd written where I was like, oh, I kind of know what I'm talking about here. It was the first like very personal film mm-hmm. that was very much really derived from my you know, own experiences own feelings in a lot of ways it was it was like you know, a very lifelike comedy drama so that was the first one i really felt like i'm like okay i'm kind of on to something here and i felt like the dial that was the first one too where the dialogue i wrote like to me like it rang true that's how i felt about it and then having people like say that to me that you know they could really relate to it and the dialogue was so authentic like that was huge for me yeah so when i first started writing i couldn't write dialogue for shit it was so hard. I, m- I remember like literally just like sitting, like racking my brain. I still can't write dialogue for shit. You know, I see. Well, I don't know how, how, how much, and we can talk more about this later too, but like 12 months, like how much that is written as, you know, dialogue was written. How much There's was like, no dialogue written oh, okay, that, fair, so. <laughs> fair enough. I'm working around my weaknesses. <laughs> fair enough. Well, they, I mean, there you go. Um, but yeah, like dialogue is like what I, as a writer, probably in general is like what I pride myself on the most now. Um, really? Yeah, because it was so hard, man. It was so difficult to do it. And I, I just kept working at it. I worked at it and I worked at it and I worked at it until 2000 Miles was kind of like the breakthrough. And then I was, you know, just kept working at it ever since then. So whenever I get compliments on the dialogue, though, I mean, that's that's always huge for me. Like I never, you know, I always, it's always very gratifying. Act one was kind of like our calling card film and a lot, it, it just in, in retrospect in a lot of ways. Like that was one where we're like, okay, this one's very like, 
It was a very, very personal film. It just, we just kind of like stepped it up all around on all fronts, technically, and just, you know, uh, from a storytelling standpoint, acting wise, what have you. But yeah, then Being Awesome was the first, that was the one where I was really like, this is what I can do. So with each movie, it kind of felt, it felt like I was getting closer and closer, like, oh, this is what I originally intended for it to be. Mm -hmm. You know that feeling? Yeah. And then Being Awesome, essentially, I'm like, this is, I kept getting closer and closer to that feeling with each passing movie. And then Being Awesome was the first one. I'm like, this is what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And so that was, you know, a huge thrill. But again, that was number 11 as a writer-producer, at least. How old were you when you made your first short film? I guess it was 20 or 21. There wasn't like a thesis project at UNLV, but it was kind of that for me. It was just, I was a very serious filmmaker when I was young and just sort of like wanted to do very dark things. Gotcha. And be, I was, I was very Fight Club inspired. And so it's this, <laughs> it's this short about... A guy, his, he comes home and his friends are drinking and he's annoyed because they've been drinking so many nights in a row. We cut to, it's it's night and everybody's asleep and all of a sudden it's black and white and somebody comes into the apartment and starts killing all of the roommates. A guy dressed in all black and, and he's shooting all of the roommates and leaving a rose petal behind as he oh, kills man. each of them. Our, our lead character wakes up and he walks out to find all of his, his roommates dead. And then sort of he finds the gun in his hand. So it was him all along. He was the one killing everybody. You know, it was my first it was my first real film and it's so distant from what I do now, which mm -hmm. is which is very interesting. Because that was before I went on my whole European Odyssey and everything. And when I came back from that and I started making films, the thing that really uh jumped me into what making just getting out there and making stuff was I watched the puffy chair by uh Duplass Brothers. Uh -huh. And I'd never seen a film like that. Just something so low budget and small and intimate and just about really this relationship. And I sort of had this struck by a lightning bolt of like, if they can accomplish this in such small resources, I need to figure out how to do that. And so right. I think within like three weeks of three weeks, maybe a month of watching that, I was shooting a short film and it was just my second short film called... Uh, Bear and Sally, and it's just a couple in their in their bed, kind of like having some post sex like cuddle talk. And I've sort of been on that journey ever since, in different ways, kind of exploring more human and everyday drama, mm -hmm. and trying to harness that. Because I feel like if you can do that well, if you can make that compelling and interesting, mm -hmm. then you can do anything. <laughs> sort oh, of as, as a storyteller fair enough yeah and no I, I very much so like gravitate towards that as well like basically whenever i'm writing anything it comes from a place of like okay what's whatever i'm feeling at the time in a lot of ways or whatever i'm like me or family and friends what have you are kind of like going through just things i need like questions that i have or things i just need to explore work my way through so it all comes from that and a lot of times like you know especially the last few years especially starting with being awesome that one you know I very much so like was just trying to be transparent like this is how everything is feeling to me right now and this is why I want to explore I want it to be as lifelike as possible yeah like most of my films are, are like that that kind of tone is what I'm going for that very authentic natural uh, naturalism and then sometimes we want like sometimes I find it good too to like to take those feelings and those thoughts and come at them from more of an angle and do it like more as a genre film. I like to explore that as well. Like with Cold Feet, is kind of, it's a comedy horror film, but it's dealing with a lot of emotions and thoughts I was, I was having uh, at the time. And then Bad Bad Men, as you've seen, is more of an overt comedy. But at the same yeah. time, it deals with machismo and um, bullying and all these things that I've kind of like, you know, pondered over the years and what drives people to to be so 
cruel to <laughs> to others at times. Yeah. And again, like the sensitivity I've always had in those situations and how those have always made me feel. So anyway, sometimes I find it best to come out that way. But for the most part, I like doing the very like, and this is something we really re- relate on as well. And something I think we recognize in each other's work. And part of the reason, you know, that we, uh, you know, want up here right now Definitely. is that kind of, uh, I remember I saw your, the short film, uh, was it Kiss and Tell? Yep. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. It was just very, yeah. It was very uh, charming in a really like natural way and it just felt like life. And I really responded to that. And that's, yeah, Thank what you. made me a Clinton <laughs> Cornwall fan. But it's, it's funny, like going back to what you said earlier, like our first few films were very dark as well. Because I think there's something about as a young man or whatnot, we're like, and also we were known for like, you know, being funny and like doing sketches and whatnot. And like, let's show them how serious we can be. And, you know, a lot of the movies we watched back then were darker, more violent, what, ha- you know, action movies, thrillers, what have you. And so, yeah, Day of Reckoning was a bloodbath <laughs> <laughs> because we wanted people to, and obviously Halloween 1998 was, yeah. you know, make of Halloween, but we wanted people to, to take us seriously as artists. And for whatever reason, as, you know, uh, late teens or guy in the early twenties at that time, at least like that meant like, all right, let's, let's get down and dirty and yeah, let the, the Cairo syrup and with red food, uh, coloring flow. So that's yeah, what we did. I think, and I think a lot of part, uh, part of being a, a younger filmmaker, a less mature filmmaker is you don't really know, you don't have the confidence or you don't have the knowledge to, to really say something personal to you or more right. specific to you and so you end up just trying to copy a lot of the right. things that inspire sure. you you know and so i think that's where a lot of that comes especially as young men that's i think we often well. yeah, get yeah. inspired by more darker serious right. properties i just remember this deep need to like i need to be taken seriously like as as a person and therefore like as an as an artist that's how you get the chicks right <laughs> oh yeah i always had that, that compulsion to like say something very personal but i didn't know how yeah. Kind of touch like what you were saying. I'm still figuring it out, honestly. I mean, it's an ongoing yeah. journey. I, I feel like with 12 months, I mean, from what I've seen of your work, like, I feel like something personal has really come through very strongly. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I think that there's still even another level to access. I feel like every time I go out and set something and explore sure. a different thing, there's always more to, to access. Dig, digger. Which is how you should feel. D- like, deeper to be dug. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that should be an ongoing. You know, you always want to be able to dig dig deeper. You yeah. never want to feel like we've reached the mountaintop, you know? We um, never will. No, no, we never will. That's not the point. You should be like growing and learning, exploring uh, the rest of your life. Uh, why'd you move to LA? I don't remember where I read this, but when I was like 14, I just read that in one of the screenwriting books or whatever that I read. It's like, oh, this is where you need to be. This is where people make movies. It was no. really that simple. So I remember realizing at that age, I'm like, oh, I'm going to move to Los Angeles after high school mm-hmm. and, you know, act to make movies. And so I, I said that to my parents then. I don't know how seriously they took I think they knew I was always going to do that, but I think they assumed I was going to go to, to college or whatnot first, or they didn't know I was going to move to LA like right after high school. I kind of uh, <laughs> placated them by, what's it called? Submitted to, submitted to? <laughs> it's been so long now. I, oh, I applied to applied. University of Memphis. And so I wound up getting like a full scholarship. Wow. And I threw it away. <laughs> and uh, they were kind of shocked by that. Um, Why'd you get the scholarship? I got uh, my ACT score was high enough. And then basically it was a letter of recommendation from uh, my theater arts uh, teacher at the time. So you never went to film school? Mrs. Parker Lawrence. No, I never went to film school. I didn't go to college at all. Uh, I always studied film. 
and continue to, to study film. But I just kind of felt like what I needed to do to come out to LA, this is where it's, it, it was happening, you know, it's happening. And I felt like that would be the best thing for me to grow as well to take that chance. Like I felt like I really needed to take a plunge. Yeah. And so I, I did. Within my first month of being in Los Angeles, uh, my dad wrote me a letter. And in part of that letter, he said, you were right to do what you did. And I'm so proud of you. Wow. And, you know, to take that chance. And, uh, you know, I believe in you. I support you. I still have that letter. That's awesome. Yeah. So that, I mean, that was, you know, as you can imagine, like huge for me to get. That's that's nice to have that kind of support for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. very lovely of him to do that. Yeah. I thought so. Too. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it, yeah, it meant so much to me. Yeah. It continues to mean so much to me. Yeah. You made The Rose and then Sally and Barry. Or Barry, Barry and Sally, what was it? Yeah, uh, Barry and Sally, and then I made two more uh, short films because I was, I was, I wanted to experiment in this the the improv mumblecore inspired kind of like scene, right? And so I made two more short films, sort of in that style. One's called Sarah Divided, and one is called Dumb Boys. Before I ended up going off to film school at Florida State, and then I made three short films there. And then my thesis film was probably the first good film I think I made ever. Got a lot of positive feedback from that. Ended up going to a bunch of festivals. It's called A New Leaf. Through that experience, I've you know I've been working with the same DP since I met uh, Elizabeth Hirschtauer, who's in a lot of. Mm-hmm. my film since then and so that kind of that established sort of a working team uh and then once i got out to la i kind of which i moved to la I, I wasn't actually going to move to la after film school my plan was to move to portland because i have a lot of friends and family there and definitely at the time there was this sense of like an artistic indie community in filmmaking uh developing there and so that's what i was leaning towards just my thought was just to go there and start making films one of the great things about Florida State is we have a strong alumni base in in, in film, and uh, that's spearheaded by our uh, alumni coordinator uh, Merle Warren. She's a wonderful lady, and she communicates and, and coordinates with everybody. And she takes you through a process. You get, you get to meet with her before you graduate, and sort of talk about what you're going to do after graduation and what you want from your career. And uh, you know, she she talked me into moving to LA. Basically, I, I blame it all on her. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I think uh, her reasoning was sound, which was that you're you're moving out there. You just graduated. You have that kind of like new graduate sheen to you, and you're going to be moving out there at the same time as a lot of your other fellow graduates. And that window isn't always going to be there, so you can try it and you can always leave afterwards but that window of being out there at the same time as all these other people who are also connected to you that's not mm. yeah that's not always going to be there so i ended up you know i took six months off to save up money on the coffee farm in hawaii mm-hmm. working for my dad and then i moved to la in 2014 and i was sort of touring with my short film a new leaf at that time and, and settling in did some internships I ended up landing a job which is way too awesome for for what I deserved. I was a uh, personal assistant for Seth Rogen and his wife uh, Lauren. Oh, I didn't know this. Yeah, yeah, for uh, about eight months, um, and uh, they were very lovely. I'm still I'm still close with Lauren. Cool. Uh, I see her every now and then, but I ended up she ended up firing me. <laughs> <laughs> why at the time i was very sort of bitter about it and didn't think that i deserved it but um you know over the years i've sort of reflected on it and um you know frankly that's a really primo position to get in in this business and i was not treating it that way like i was doing a good job 
and I should something like that. You should be doing a great job, or, mm. or, or and and I think essentially that's why I got fired. You know, I wasn't doing anything terrible in my job. I hadn't done anything terrible, mm. but it just wasn't good enough. And and also she um, was looking for more of a full time assistant, and I was sort of just part time at that point. I didn't have any executive assistant experience. You know, she she fired me in the most lovely way possible, which was. Uh, she had that conversation with me and then we sat down and watched each other's short films and like talked about each other's work and like hung out for a couple hours after that. That's so, cool. so she makes short films as well. Uh, yeah, she's a filmmaker in her own right. Uh, she went to cool. Florida state as well, which is how like that job got put out through our alumni network. She says, this isn't why I got the job, but I feel like I got the job because she loves her dog Zelda. And, and, um, I wrote a follow-up email after our interview, but I directed it at, zelda her dog okay nice. and acted like she didn't exist like that was the best job i've ever had like as a job and when i got fired from it i really had like sort of a, a tragedy of the soul at that point i had made uh kiss and tell and uh, was in post on that and and when i got fired though i was like what am i going to do with my life like what should i do for money i was working at the new york film academy at that time and i work there full-time now but the thing that really pulled me out of that spin Cause I was like, oh, should I go back to grad school? Maybe I could go become a professor. Like what am I, you know, I think everybody has that when you lose a job. But the thing that really sort of pulled me out of it was making Hollywood and Sunset, another mm -hmm. short film of mine. That was not the intention of that project. It just sort of like, this is the timeline we have to make this on. We had been developing it for a little while. And so I was just forced into to doing it. Making that project just totally pulled me out of that depression and really showed me Oh, just making things makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Fulfills me. I get that. And coincidentally, that project is a lot about finding your own personal fulfillment in, within your work. Since then, uh, my time in LA has been focused on making things. And uh, I've made mm, six short films now since being here and my feature film, 12 months. And nice. uh, starting on another feature now. And I, I just want to make stuff. Yeah, that's really all it comes down to for me. I work full time in New York Film Academy, which is a very flexible, easy job in terms of it's not mentally or emotionally draining, right. which allows me the energy to work on projects on top of it. So I work a full time job and then work a second full time job making movies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. And then we met. Uh, so you moved out here in 2014 and we met in 2016. Is when you had, right? When you had Kiss and Tell at Dances with Films? I th Yeah, 2015 or 2016. Yeah, because that's when I had Bad Bad Men it at must Dances have been with like, Films. Yeah. yeah, it was 2016. And then, because uh, I saw yours at the festival. Did you see Bad Bad Men at the festival? I did, you... I did, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, so then we wound up, and then some, some, I think we reached we out to each other. We connected through Gabe, actually. We were, I was just, did we? me and uh, my DP, Dustin, we were just standing in line next to Gabe, waiting to get into a screening. And we just struck up a conversation. I think I might have shook in your hand in that conversation, but mostly it was me and Dustin talking to Gabe. Huh. And yeah. I remember exchanging Here messages. Because I think like some of the filmmakers, like if I, you know, I reached out to certain filmmakers on, on Facebook. I remember us. Yeah, you reached out to Facebook. me and we, we uh I want to let coffee. you know how much I enjoyed your film. Yours was the favorite, my favorite of the festival too, actually. And that's not, no, no bullshit. No, thanks, man. I mean, yeah. honestly, it, from whatever, like yours was as well, from what I can recall. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> like, what a love fest we're having here. I know, right? <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, again, that's what's kind of, that's what essentially has led us here. You know, so. and that's funny too, because, um, you know, we had coffee that one time with no, yeah. it was just a general, yeah, yeah, yeah. general meeting as they called them. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't, we didn't, neither of us had an ax to Agen grind. There was no agenda. No, no. And, um, you know, nothing came of that for a long time, really. Yeah. 
We just and, want, I just wanted to hang out and get to know you a little more. Yeah. And we both had a lot of things going on, so. And then I reached out to you a couple, I feel like it was like two years later, about 12 months, right? Was that the next time we saw Man, each other? I'm trying to remember now. Um, okay, but well then I had Save Yourself play at Dances with the Films in 2018. I wasn't there. You weren't there, but I think I reached out to you about that or I'd let you know that that was happening. Oh, yeah. The, we sort of connected through messaging. I ended up yeah. watching a bunch of your films and stuff. Yes. And then we had coffee again after you'd, yeah, I think you saw being, uh, being awesome. And then we got lucky. And then I, I messaged you about, and we talked about 12 months and about your films. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. So really, like we've when, sort of been in contact consistently <laughs> since then, yeah. I feel like. And it's just been heating up the last, <laughs> the last few months. Yeah. And well, and then we had, you know, we had drinks, uh, what was that right before Christmas? Yes. Me, you, and Gabe. Yeah. Which was for, really lovely. Yeah, it was. That was really cool. We all got to get some things off our chest. <laughs> <laughs> And got to uh, do a little more, uh, yeah, uh, bonding there. That was a lot of fun. And then that that sort of, that experience is what gave me the idea for the podcast. Yeah, because you emailed me about a month ago or so, roughly. It's like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Are yeah. you interested in that? And I kind of, um, I instantly gravitated towards the idea because, and something I've talked to you about too, like I'm, I'll always be making films, but I'm also really interested in exploring other avenues for, you know, expressing myself and getting my voice out there. I'm kind of dabbling in exploring a little bit like stand-up comedy as well. I went on to write a book. Um, I'm learning how to play guitar. And then, yeah, and podcast. I'm like, yeah, sure, let's let's try it. Like, that <laughs> sounds not? like, I've, yeah, I love being a guest on, on podcasts. And it's another way to say what I need to say and to uh, connect with people. Because, again, that's the driving force for everything is just connecting. So Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I'm definitely in a, in a mode of trying to, now that I'm going to be releasing my first feature film at some point, uh, who knows mm -hmm. when that will actually be. I'm, I'm just thinking a lot more about promotion and, and sort of getting the work out there. And That's a big part of it, too, for sure. Yeah. Obviously, I don't have any sort of traditional advertising budget and zero marketing experience. But, but I feel like this podcast, one, could be a way for us to just have a fun conversation yeah, yeah. once a week or so. Yeah. Uh, but to also kind of like put our work out there without having to like in a greasy way, <laughs> right. uh, you know, advertise for ourselves because, you know, frankly, I don't even know the what's our efficacy of, of, of making social media posts about your work. I don't even know how useful that is at this point because so many people are doing right. it, you know, and it seems so disingenuine and for me personally i don't want to sell anybody anything i think us <laughs> as artists we all kind of hate doing that a little bit yeah. even though it's part of the game you got to let people know that your work is out there so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm 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 personally exploring the ways that i can feel comfortable with talking about and getting my work out there and uh this podcast maybe can be a little bit of that as well yeah no i feel that too i mean marketing is something that's uh, i enjoy it, some aspects of it but it's definitely not you know, my thing. Yeah. With a podcast like this too, it's a great way to get the word out. And also, I mean, it's all, it's all about building a community. That's the way I see it. Like a community of collaborators, yeah. a community, like building a community with the audience, nothing, but for me, like something like this, again, it's like productive, nothing but positivity can, sure. can come from it. Ultimately. Absolutely. However it shakes out, you know what I mean? It doesn't even matter. Like, I mean, even if it just ended up being this, which I do not think it will be, but this would be <laughs> right, this would right. be a, a fun, like noteworthy kind of thing. In yeah, experience. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think that's all we got for today. It's been good uh, getting to know you a little bit more. Uh, likewise, yeah, likewise. Uh, and hopefully, anybody who's listening uh, enjoyed that as well. Yeah. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for listening to our me and Alan talk 
two years ago, back mm-hmm. in February 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Alan, how was that for you, listening to our past selves talk? That was right, you know, me announcing we we're about to have our second kid, and that was before I, you know, knew the gender or knew anything about him. And now I'm yeah. literally staring, <laughs> staring at a picture of him, uh, just by happenstance, as I'm sharing this thought. Uh, but yeah, River, our son River, River, our second yes. son River. Um, so yeah, that's that was, a big deal. That's a big change. That was crazy. Like hearing that's like, oh yeah, just just sharing that news with you for the first time. Yeah, it's it's funny how much more we know each other now as opposed to when we recorded back then. So I remember feeling back then, I was like, oh yeah, we're we're already friends. Like we know each other fairly well, but now it's like a whole nother level. <laughs> yeah. How'd you, you talk feel? to somebody consistently? Yeah. For, for I mean, you know, outside of like you know my romantic partners and maybe like my very best friends you're probably the person I've talked to the most consistently over the last two and a half years, which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the journey. Um, it was interesting listening to my past self. Cause I thought like there were, we, there would be prompts in the conversation. And then in my mind, I would think of my answer to that question. And then I would answer that question on the podcast in the exact same way. And then I would think of like, Oh, let me wait. I would, I should add this follow up thing. I would be thinking that as I listened to it. And then, past me would also add the follow-up thing oh that's so cool. that was a weird experience to have but i guess all that to say character wise like emotionally <laughs> i I'm, I'm in a fairly uh similar state probably because we're all a little bit in a state of arrested development due to the pandemic <laughs> a bit i feel like but the big changes for me you know in the intervening two years i've directed two short films mm-hmm. and another feature film which i acted in which was also funny to hear because yeah during that podcast i was like i don't need to do it all i don't need to act or anything like that and then <laughs> in my second feature film i acted yeah. in that Although I think I'm good. I think I don't need to really act anymore. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you'll see, you know, who knows? Who knows how you'll feel uh, a little ways down the road, but fair enough. Yeah. And you guys are, you guys will hear us, uh, you you guys being our theoretical audience. um, (laughs) If you keep coming back and listening, you'll hear us go on this two year journey and hear about all the changes that that we've had. But I think it's just, it's Mm -hmm. just important to contextualize the difference between past clinton and allen and current clinton and allen um mm-hmm. which by the sounds of it you know aside from us birthing new projects in in different ways shapes and forms uh, uh like we're still fairly similar people yeah which is great i get like it's nice like listening to uh past my past self and and uh, being okay with what i'm saying because again like when i was like in my 20s or probably even early 30s especially my 20s i listen to my past self and just be uh, quite annoyed so uh yeah it's nice i'm like oh, okay cool i'm, I'm finally kind of like who who i am if you <laughs> if you will i'm pretty uh pretty solid in, in with who i am i mean a lot, of, a lot of work to be done obviously clinton yeah on ourselves then of- the saddest thing for me though <laughs> is listening to like you know two years ago i had a bunch of unfinished projects including 12 months and you know all those projects are still largely unfinished, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, 12 months is going out to the festival circuit now, but there's still a lot of technical work to be done there. There's still a lot of, like, that par- project is far from completely put down. And, you know, I was talking about shooting the short film Haunted, The Haunted, um, and, you know, that's still in editing. I actually just gave notes on an edit on that project, so it's just, uh, time moves Time moves strange in a pandemic, but also with filmmaking, things just always oh, yeah. end up going a lot slower than you want them to. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to feel the <clears throat> the progress, even though it's 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 there. 
uh, you're just spread you're just spread out a little bit more. One last thing I wanted to mention is uh, kind of the reason why we're releasing these episodes now after two years, we finally got our shit together, is uh, me and Alan are launching a creative consulting business. Um, we are available for you know filmmaker and creative coaching and any sort of consulting in terms of on whether you need notes on an edit or on a script or anything like that. And I think the really great unique thing me and Alan offer is, you know, we come at things from a very independent bootstrap filmmaker kind of perspective, but we also we also have an emphasis on sort of the emotional sides of things, the the ups, ups and downs, that journey, and really like empowering our clients to sort of be their best creative selves um, with with an honest but kind sort of like feedback style. Um, so yeah, that, that's that's why we launched the podcast. If uh, if any of you are interested in uh, our services, we do free thirty minute consultations uh, up front. So uh, you can reach out to out to us through any of our social media or website channels. And, and we'll be happy to, to bring you on board and talk to you. Anything to add to that, Alan? No, yeah, like you said, yeah, it's a very much a very uh, empathy-driven, uh, empathy-fueled <laughs> uh, endeavor. Our services are basically tailor-made for each client. We kind of want to pinpoint and identify the exact ways that we, can, that we can help and be of service to each individual client. So, and so far, yeah, really, really enjoying it. Uh, it's very fulfilling. So, excited to work with... Uh, with more of you folks out there. That's about it for episode one. Thank you guys so much for, for listening and checking out our first episode of the Story Life podcast. Uh, yeah, also please check out our website, wearestorylife.com, where you'll find more information about our coaching and consulting business and us and what we do, um, as well as links to our Patreon and social media pages. Thank you very much to our editor, Mike Jimenez, uh, for his incredible work. And, um, you know, thanks to families, friends, and, and the wonderful community of people surrounding both me and Alan. So much love felt. Help us do all the things that we do. We couldn't do, do it all without them. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You can reach me, guys, anywhere. Instagram, Twitter is mostly the main places I, I, uh, I'm available. Just look my name up. Clinton Cornwell. Pretty unique. That's my handle everywhere. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Vimeo at Alan C. Gardner, A-L-L-E-N-C-G-A-R-D-N-E-R, and on Instagram at Alan C. Gardner Movies. You can also check out some of my films. Cold Feet is currently available on Amazon Prime, the Roku channel, Google Play, and YouTube, and my other movies are available on several platforms, including Being Awesome and Save Yourself on Tubi, and We Got Lucky and Bad Bad Men on Amazon. You did it, Alan. You did it. The whole list. You did it. Yep. Nailed it. All right. Uh, We have many more episodes coming up, so please subscribe and join us next week. This has been Clinton Cornwell. And Alan C. Gardner. With Story Life Podcast. (laughs) All right. Take care. Thanks, guys.